some people want more and they want more and they're the great people to tap for something maybe larger and really just leveraging their goals and their desires is really big. And that's asking, mostly asking and talking with people to know what it is that they are interested in and not fighting it because that's only going to push people away. You have to build the trust. You have to work and collaborate with them. Hello and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. The person you're listening to is Kelly Schott. Kelly is a really smart community manager, and she is going to share with us best practices on how to start and grow a successful community around your business and how to create an environment that helps people feel at home and feel welcome to participate and willing to contribute even while you're scaling the community, we're also going to talk about what are the goals and roles of a community for a business. It's a really great interview that is part of a mini series I'm doing about community. And it was recorded live at the CLIX conference in Memphis in April of 2022. So if community for businesses is something you're interested in, you are going to learn a lot from this amazing interview. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host, and this is a special episode that we're doing together with the B2B Community Builder Show and the CLI Community, which is the Community Leadership Institute. And we're actually doing this from a booth at the CLIX Summit in Memphis, which is phenomenal. It's everybody around here is people who run, manage, or develop technologies to create communities around businesses, which is really amazing. And with me, in this interview is Kelly Schott. Kelly. Hi, nice to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm amazing. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and what brought you into the world of business communities. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm all about community conferences. I feel like it's really great to get people in a room who understand what capital C community is. Yep. It's uh, not always the easiest thing to explain to people, but it's something that is extremely valuable, I think, across different use cases across the board. I came in to community through journalism, which I think is a really natural connector. You're sharing information and, and building resources and connecting people. And that's really the heart of community is relationship building. I worked within building relationships within community, building in a community for community people after that. And then I now work in a space with a community building around learning product management. And so a lot of different use cases, especially in this room represented. And I think there's always something to be learned, which is why I, I love these kinds of conversations because to get out, get outside of your own use case is where you see a lot of value. So I think that answers a lot of different questions, but it's exciting to get to talk and hear about backgrounds and what people come from. So 
the company you work for today, they are a training company, right? They yes. help people learn new skills so they can implement them in the world of product management. Correct. Yeah. So walk me through the role of the community in a company like that, because that's not a, well, I guess it, maybe it is a common use case, but what's the use case? Like, what is the role of the community? Yeah. So the community is really a kind of continuous learning space. Once you're essentially in a nutshell to kind of go back a step, the community is for alumni, which means that anybody who has taken a training is a part of the community. So if you've taken every single training or if you've taken one, you are welcome in to continue having access to resources, to continue learning, to talk with other people and network with other people who are in the same spaces or different spaces, but doing similar work and really continue that learning and, and network with others and, and further your career, but also help do your job. So we're a community of practice and it really is to help build really everyone across the board and, and help everyone do their jobs as well as advance themselves. And it's really just kind of boiled down to continuous learning, I think, both in that technical sense of training, but also in just the world of, of doing our jobs. I love it. So it's a very it's a very specific kind of community, right? It's a community that's built around skills in a very specific niche kind of uh, world. My question to you is how much of that continued learning comes from the company and how much comes from the community itself just by sharing ideas, asking questions that get answered not by the company, but by the community and so on? It's funny because I hear metric of user-generated content when you said that. And I think it's, it's, I think there's a good healthy balance of a lot of things and the community is going to be two years old soon. And it, it starts out as being a place where you do a lot of facilitation in some degree to start conversations. And I, I think there's definitely still a place for that to strategically kind of guide to make sure there's value happening. But there's a lot of really great user-generated conversations where someone comes in and just asks a question and you have experts coming in and being that almost company line response that you would think of, like you think of that ultimate response that would say, come back and take training. And, but you have someone authentically saying that, and those are those advocates, which are amazing. And I think that's the, the big victor of community is finding that and leveraging that. And so I'd say it shifts over time, but there's a great core of, of those people who come in and ask. I mean, a lot of the value add is really those conversations and the company conversations are ones that really help facilitate I would think like larger conversation, guiding those larger conversations to say, let's ask some questions around these topics. Let's get, let's help people start the conversation since we see them asking questions, help connecting the dots, I think is the best way to talk about it. So, and it doesn't quite answer the question, but I think there's a good healthy balance of it, of where a lot of great value comes from these authentic ad hoc kind of conversations from members. And then there's a good lot of facilitation that comes from our side. So there's about a million things I want to ask you as a follow-up. And I don't ask you five questions in a row because then we'll forget to answer them. But I'll ask two quick ones. I'll say something because otherwise I'll forget and it's very, very relevant. Yeah. But the, the two things that I want to ask is one, you said in the beginning, it was a lot more you creating those conversations. And I want to know how, like the yeah. actual practicality of how do you get people to ask and create conversations? And the second half of it is you said there's these amazing advocates, which is what I want to talk about in a minute. How do you quote unquote harness them? How do you find them? How do you reward them if you yeah. want for being these advocates? So these are the two biggest questions. But before that, I want to say something about those advocates yeah. because we see that with, within our clients, right? So we create these live shows that helps companies engage with their communities. 
And we see exactly that, right? We see somebody come into the community and with us, it's, in most cases, it's an open community that anybody can join. And people join like, well, you know, I've listened to their show, I've seen their content. Has anybody actually done business with them? And then what happens is you get 60 people saying, yes, absolutely, they're great, do it. And then you have 10 people, those advocates that will write a blog post as an answer. Like, you know, a 600 words answer in like a chat that is like the longest post you've ever seen. Just saying, yes, I started working with this at that time. This was the situation. Here's what I've learned. And literally, if you have that, you get, if you got to that point, you don't need salespeople in your company anymore because the sale, like you're saying, it's a very genuine third-party objective sales conversation that does not come from the company. Right. So I absolutely agree. But now the question is, and we're going to explore this. This is what we're going to focus on. How do you get from not having any conversations and starting them to, I have these advocates and how do I make sure that they actually do what they need to do? That's the real question, isn't it? It's, uh, it's always, I think the proverbial, you know, how do you get people in the room? Like it's that almost chicken and egg where you need people in the room to have the conversations, but how do you get people in the room without the conversations? And I think there's elements of finding those people, finding those advocates. And if you have a brand and you have a product and you have people who are vocal in different areas, it's finding those people to help. But I think it's a lot of seeding. It's a lot of seeding content and seeding conversations and, and working cross-functionally within an organization to get people who are experts in areas to help facilitate that and, and starting to build out the knowledge that exists. So how, um, how does it look like? I want yeah. to pause you because I'm, I'm really looking for practicality. Mm -hmm. Everything you said okay, makes yeah. sense to yeah, me, yeah. but like, how do I do this? How yeah. do I start that sure. conversation? How do I make people join the yeah. conversation? So I'll say from my experience working in a lot, I work basically have worked in communities of practice and a lot of that is built around resources and learning. And so a lot of the first steps are taking content that exists and putting it in the community. And it's a lot of building from, from that and from the conversations that you'd have around that. So if it's, you're building something um, brand new and there, you maybe you put out articles, maybe there are uh, research papers, maybe there's, I mean, training courses and supplemental material. It's taking that, putting that into the community, having it accessible there. And maybe that's the benefit of the membership. Maybe it's just access. It's feeding that into the library and then starting to populate with conversations. And it's bringing in beta members and having them help start that out. And that can be that conversation of finding your advocates. It's also maybe there's a set group who are just really wanting to be a part of it and they're new, but it's finding that, that passion and then starting there. So when people come into a community, they see something that's in the works. They see knowledge in the knowledge base. They see articles in the library. They see conversations happening. So the physical content being there and then bring the people in to continue that and kind of mentioning having in a genuine conversation and not just you responding to someone else in your organization, every other one, you want to make sure members are a part of that as well. So I think a lot of seating and a lot of that work is population, but also starting the conversation early. Do you approach people and ask them to don't to join specific conversations if you think they have the background, the skill set, the experience? Absolutely. Yes. I, there's a lot of back channeling is what I think I, we refer to. It, I think a lot of people refer to it. Uh, a lot of that work. And I think there's a lot of facilitation. We were having a conversation earlier around facilitation, just on an off table conversation. Yeah. And that's such a massive skill for community people. Uh, you need to know who the people are to talk to, know who to bring to who, talk how to talk to who, what they need and what they're good at. And a lot of that is the building the relationships. It's hearing someone's background and saying, oh, they'd be great to jump into this conversation or 
seeing someone has always wanted to learn about a certain topic and say, you might be interested in this. And it's doing that publicly and in the forum, in a space and tagging them when it's also going and emailing them or DMing them or just sending them a note and saying, hey, you might want to check this out. And it's sort of bringing to their attention these conversations in different ways and doing it strategically depending on the situation. But definitely, yeah, I think that's a huge asset is knowing who your members are. And, And when you join a new community, you have to learn that and it takes time. But those super users are your great first people because they're the great almost default of if they they're out there giving you these page long responses and you don't have to ask most of the time they come in and do it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, this is great. I, I like, I like this help. And then you get to learn more about other people and can bring new voices into the conversation. And that's really fun. Amazing. I, so how do you go from having conversations to having people who are advocates? And I know it kind of happens organically, but I'm sure you're helping, you're fueling it one way or another. So walk me through that process. Yeah. I had a conversation earlier. My, my, my speaking was on, on trust. And so this is very much what I go back to. Uh, community is relationship building. It is trust building. You have to show you're invested, invest, and for members to invest. And I think a lot of that building advocates is building those relationships. And it's such a it's a hard thing to go into because it's very different for everybody and sure. every instance, but it really is. It's building from the ground floor of talking to people, showing up where they need you to show up, asking questions and being a genuine human being, but also leveraging it. And I think mentioning talking about leveraging advocates, it's saying, you know, I know you're interested in this topic. I know you're interested in maybe furthering your career. Let's work together. Let's see what your goals are and how do we align that? And then how do we get you more involved? And some people are not looking to be massively involved in something and that's okay. Some people want more and they want more and they're the great people to tap for something maybe larger and really just leveraging their goals and their desires is really big. And that's asking, mostly asking and talking with people to know what it is that they are interested in and not fighting it because that's only going to push people away. You have to build the trust. You have to work and collaborate with them. Amazing. I want to touch on two, again, practical points of, of what you said, because I think these are like extremely valuable points, but if you... So, so two things about that. One is how do you do this at scale, right? Yeah. So if you have 20 people in their community, it's easy. 200 still works. Yeah. 2,000 starts getting problematic. You have what you said, 22,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really hard having that conversation with 22,000 people asking them what their interests are, what they want to be involved in and so on. How do you scale that? Yeah. And the second question is how do you keep track mm-hmm of all of that, right? So now you have 22, let's say you were able to have 22,000 conversations, somebody else from your team or from the company or from needs to be able to go back and say, oh, you know, Gina will be amazing to answer this conversation that's happening right now. Yeah, that that is the the ultimate question. And something I'm really interested in is automation, scaling and automating, but keeping it a personal touch. And I think that's something that is still a challenge, but I think a lot of it is working with tools and the tools you have and then understanding how to sort of hack the tools that you have. And I mean that in a good way of how do you build things together to get that to work? And I think part of what I've been doing is, cause you're right, it, it's really difficult to have a conversation with 22,000 people as much as you, you'd want to. And I think it'd be extremely valuable. It's just not really possible. And I, I think it's still, it's scaling that in different ways. And part of that is having one-on-ones with some people, trying the opportunity to continuously talk to people as much as you can. So finding the people who wanna have conversations and having those, 
It's opening up feedback routes. So if there's a survey, if you have something running like a survey that goes every so often, so you're getting continuous feedback from that. And it's starting to say, oh, this is what people are looking for. One thing about technology, some spaces are great with having fields that automate. So if you have someone fill out that they're interested in something and that populates into some sort of system, I think on a profile space, there could be a space that says, this is my goal. And I choose from one of these. And then now I have a repository of information that I can then export or pull into something. And to your second question, documentation, any type of CRM is really, I mean, the ideal goal is having a CRM tool like thing that plugs in from your community to information within your organization. So it all comes together. Not always the case. So having some like something like a CRM is important where even if it's a spreadsheet, I'm working on so I'm pulling together a notion template with spreadsheets and, and building in automation to pull in those fields that people fill out in their profiles. So you could search from that. You could say, oh, we have a question on metrics. Does anyone focus on data or metrics or who says they filled this out? The more you can have that built and then continue from that going back and doing it is more difficult. It can be done, but starting from there is great. Um, but yeah, automating where you can is really helpful. So you don't have to talk to every single person you should, you know, if we could, but if you can't, you have at least that to start from. So it is self-identifiable, but in a way, sometimes I think it's interesting when people self-identify because I find things out about people they never share, um, where they say, Oh, I have a big background in this. And you sort of say, you never told me about that in a conversation. <laughs> Or vice versa. And yeah. so I think these methods complement themselves pretty well when you get information from different sides of uh, that conversation. So it's definitely hard, but I think kind of pulling together the tools you have or can make from, I know so many people who have built CRMs from Excel spreadsheets and things. It's not impossible. Um, it's just not, not amazingly fun, but it's really helpful to have something documented somewhere. No, I agree. I think the exciting things about community management is again, the event we're in, it's mm -hmm. just getting people who are from the trade, which is a relatively new trade, but it's growing very, very fast. And the last two years, I've accelerated it like a, like a rocket ship. But even here, right next to us, there's you know two, two, two different tools, Common Room and, and Orbit, who are really, it's, it's like the CRM you mean, only instead of being geared to be a CRM for sales, yes. they're kind of like a community management tool that really helps you understand those connections and levels of engagement and who can help in what. And it's really exciting to be in this time where these tools are being built to help us do what we do. Yes. I, I want to ask you a different question related to what you just said, because I, I echo with everything you're saying because of what we do, right? Yeah. We help companies create deeper level of engagement and develop these relationships at scale. How much do you see that verbal, informal, informal, face-to-face -face or Zoom kind of communication is beneficial versus, okay, I can write stuff in a Slack channel or in a Discord room or stuff like that? My, I said this earlier today, my favorite answer to questions in communities, it depends. Because I think that's <laughs> almost the answer to every single question is yeah, it yeah. totally depends. And I think it's great because it really is dependent on the members. And I think it's definitely meeting them where they are, but also where they want to be. So if people are really into virtual conversations and they want the conversation of on a Zoom call, I, in a community I used to work with, we held regular roundtable calls on Zoom and they were amazing. People wanted more opportunities to talk to yeah. each other because like an event just like this, it really is about problem solving and learning from one another. And you just need to talk things out. 
And sometimes in some communities, especially people don't have a lot of time. I think executive level people who are just saying, I don't have time to come to an hour call. I can't sit here and, and read and write back this whole thing, but I need the information. I need to consume the data. And it's really designing for who the people are that you're, you're talking to and what the goal, their goals are. And so I think it, there's really great value in all of these things. It just is really dependent on the people and not forcing them because then it becomes very not valuable. If you have people who are not engaged because they can't be, or they, that's not their method of communication. So I think there's a place for all of this and super dependent on what the people are looking for. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, You know, something that we, we talk about with all of our clients is you have to be focused around the needs of your community and you have to be intentional with everything you do, like literally everything from thinking about what you're going to talk about, who you're going to bring into the conversation, how long it needs to last, which platform you want to host it. Like everything needs to be tied back to what's going to make it the most valuable to your community and what's going to make it the most engaging and what's going to help you continue moving towards the targets and the goals that you've set for that community. So I love that you said that. Before I let you go, if somebody, so you've been doing this for a while, you're doing this for a large company with probably reasonable resources. What are your best tips? Like your three to five best tips for somebody who's relatively new to this, like, oh my God, yes, this community thing, it's catching up. I would love to do this. The best things in order to start growing a community and the best ways to drive engagement. Yeah. I think one, first thing I usually always say is talk to your members. I think it's something that is the most simple answer that is not simple to get to as an answer. It's something I think we all, and I will include myself in that fully can do more. I think it's something that tends to lose priority when you have other things coming from internal priorities and saying, Hey, you need to do this. It's, you start to bump a lot of those conversations, but I think that goes to the whole fact of tying it back to your member goals, tying it back to your business goals. So talk to your members. If you don't have a community, talk to people who are, would be in your community. If you're working with people of who ride horses, you go talk to people at the barn, like go and physically have a conversation and learn what their goals are, because that's that guiding light. It's knowing what their needs are. And then you can build from that. If people don't want to have a certain conversation or aren't interested in a specific topic, and you're trying to force that in, it's just not going to work. You want to find something that naturally fits. And so to build engagement, you need to have that trust. You need to show, you know, I know, I know what you're looking for. I'm listening to you. I'm building this. And they will, they will, I mean, it is very much not a, you build it, they will come. There's a lot of intentionality behind it, but it really is you, you put in the work and you listen to people. And I think that is the first and foremost thing is go talk to your members and pass that really focus on that strategic connection, because that's the, so the guiding light that will take you forward and help you grow that when you have a pathway forward. So use that as your starting point and then see where you want to head from there. What is that value you're looking to add? And then that engagement will build around that. I love it. Kelly, if, if I summarize everything you said, and you actually said it yourself a few times, it's community is really about trust and relationships, Hundred percent, right? It's how do you create relationships and how do you maintain the relationships to build trust and everything else, literally everything else is an outcome of that. And so if you focus on this and have patience and consistency, and like you said, talk to your, you know, and again, you said that as well, even if you don't have a community, you want to start one, go talk to the people you want in your community, Yes. ask them what would be they, what would they be interested in? What things they want to talk about? What would they want to share? Where do they want to share it? Yes. 
how they want to share it. Is it in a podcast, in a blog post, in a Slack channel? Like how do they want to communicate? And maybe it's, maybe it's all of the above, right? And then you got to figure out from your priorities and resources what you can and cannot do. Yes. But this was really valuable. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of this really busy conference and coming to talk with us. Thank you so much for doing this and sharing with us. Yeah, no, thank you so much for the invite. It's been a great conversation and I'm excited to hear more of these conversations. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. The conversation with Kelly was so much fun and I learned a lot and I hope that you did too. She's really lively and really, really smart and really has a great experience in growing communities. If you are interested in more content that relates to community growing around businesses and how to do that the right way, as I mentioned, this is a part of a mini series. I'm going to do more of these episodes, but if you want to check out the one that were already released, you can check episodes 129, 130, 131, and 132. They're all around that topic. They're all phenomenal with different people that play key roles in growing some of the largest and most exciting communities and community tools in the world out there. It's uh, with Patrick Woods, the CEO of Orbit. It's with Rebecca Marshburn, the head of community at Common Room. It is with Rachel Silvano, who's running community operations at Zapier. And it's also a case study about why the hell would you even want community around your business in episode 132 and understand that this can generate tens of millions of dollars for your business directly, in addition to a lot of other benefits. So I'm highly bullish on the fact that communities around businesses are going to be the key differentiator to successful businesses in the next 10 to 15 years. And hence, I'm going to provide you as much information as that so you can implement it in your business. And until next time, have an amazing week. Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast, and I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now. <laughs>